This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to be talking about one of those subjects that every single entrepreneur, business owner, small business, big business, whatever, absolutely has to talk about, has to think about. And let's be honest, folks, we don't want to talk about it. And it's that little thing called money. And so please join me in welcoming Monica Shaw to our program today. Welcome, Monica. I'm so excited to be here. You know, it it really is going to be a great discussion. But before we start, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Monica Shaw is a seven-figure business coach who helps entrepreneurs build businesses that support their ideal lifestyles. After receiving her MBA from the Kellogg School of Management and working in marketing for L'Oreal Paris, Monica left her corporate job to start her first company and then her second company, which is Revenue Breakthrough. Today, she takes her clients step-by-step through building, growing, and expanding their businesses. She combines her business acumen with her intuition and healing abilities to help her clients get unstuck eliminate self-sabotage, and move through fear. She is also the author of Getting Rich, You're Doing It Backwards, and Pause, 52 Questions That Lead to More Money and Time. So again, Monica, welcome. I'm so excited to, to get started and talk about my favorite topic. You know, and it's funny because money is one of those not taboo subjects, because we really absolutely should be discussing it, but we don't want to discuss it. And so, you know, let's let's just kind of start with that. Why do you think that in many cases, business owners just think, oh my gosh, I can't ever talk about money, especially from a business perspective? Because we grew up in a society where money is a taboo, talking about money. Like if you think about it mm-hmm. when you were growing up, you know, when I'm in a live room of people and I ask the room, how many of you got in trouble for asking the question, how much does daddy make? Or how come we can't afford this? Or um, mm-hmm. some other question at a dinner table like that. Literally, mm-hmm. usually a third of the room, the hands go up. Like they got in trouble right. for asking a money question when it wasn't taboo. Or, you know, having guests over and asking them, you know, how much do you make? Or something about mm-hmm. money. And ultimately, even when we get older, when somebody gets a raise, let's say you take your friend out to, to a meal to celebrate, you don't ask how much more they're making or if, you know, right. if somebody's struggling. And it's because, um, ultimately money is the biggest taboo in our society. It is, you know, mm-hmm. the other taboo is sex and, we end up talking more about sex than we do about money. And right. I very firmly hold that if we talked more about money, then we'd all be having better sex. <laughs> right, right. Because everything would be yeah, better, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like this huge bait and switch because you you go do your job. You don't talk about money. You don't look about at money. You sort of avoid it. Most of us live on... Mm-hmm credit card debt or overspending. And, you know, every time we have to do the bills, it's this terrible experience. And then mm-hmm. you start your business or you start a company and all of a sudden you've got to look at money all the time, every day. Money is mm-hmm. a constant, um, everything you do, you know, do I do this video? Do I go to right. this event? Do I hire this person? Do I, uh, learn this program, you know, whatever it is, everything is a money decision. And so suddenly mm-hmm. it's this huge bait and switch. Like you go from this place of, I can't look at money. I never want to look at money. I don't want to talk about money. I'm not good at numbers to, I have mm-hmm. to look at number at money every day. I have to track it. I have mm-hmm. to understand what revenue and expenses and profit and conversion rates and all of that stuff means. And we end up then feeling sort of lost in this process or completely resisting it. 
Right. You know, and, and I love that you talk about this is how we're brought up. And, and you mentioned it in your book, Pause. And I read that. I love that book. It's a, it's a great book. Fast read, fast read, I should say, but you should go back and spend a lot of time thinking about it, working on it because it's, that's, that's the way the book is designed. Um, but you mentioned the fact that, you know, we all, have our philosophy about money based on basically how our parents dealt with it. You know, did you have parents who fought over money? Did you have parents who, when, you know, the time of the month came where they had to pay bills, it was this horrible, awful time? You know, were you told, I'm sorry, we can't afford that. We can't do that. Um, you know, and, and most of us in many cases probably were brought up that way, at least with frugal parents. You know, very few of us grew up with, you know, the in the lap of luxury. I was fortunate in the fact that my mother, you know, dealt with money in a very practical way. She had a budget. You know, we never really had those negative things that, you know, those conversations. I don't ever remember my parents fighting about money. I'm sure they discussed it um, and, you know, things like that. But so it, it wasn't quite so negative for me. But at the same point, we still didn't talk about it, um, you know, and, 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 and you're right. I mean, we, when we would say, well, you know, why can't we go do X? You, it was, well, you know, we can't afford it. You know, money, I I always love the money doesn't grow on trees, right? (laughs) How many times were we told that, you know, and, and all these various things. So then when we become adults and we have to manage our own money, we already had such negative thoughts about it that it's it's difficult to even overcome those. And then, heaven forbid, like you said, we're the, the owner of our business and having to manage money and really thinking, can we afford this? You know, what are we going to do? All those various things. Absolutely. It's true. It, it, it's it's I really encourage everybody who's listening to take a moment and really think to what was money like when you were growing up? How did mm-hmm. your parents speak of it? Uh, what phrases did they use? You know, what was it like when the bills came in? Um, what was it like when you wanted to buy things or create things um, in your family? Because often what um, I hear, you know, all of that sort of mm-hmm. led to the creation of voices in your head. You know, for mm-hmm. example, for me, I remember when I was little and we would go to the airport, my mom would always say, it, you know, food at the airport's really expensive. We, we shouldn't buy any food at the airport. So we would always like make our own sandwiches or make our meals so that when we mm-hmm. got on the plane, we'd have food. And it's true, right? right. A, a $8 sandwich. better food, but you know. Um, $8 sandwiches or $24 at the airport, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. it is a bit crazy. But what's interesting about that is that voice kind of rung in my head. And now as an adult, I run a very busy company and I mm-hmm. literally go to the airport and I'll have a five hour flight. And of course I'm not, I you know, didn't have time to make my food and bring it with me. And so I literally will stand and I will think to myself, I shouldn't buy any food. Right. I shouldn't buy any food at the airport and I'm hungry. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm about to get on a flight to California. And mm-hmm. yet there's this voice that's like, oh, you shouldn't get a sandwich. And I've really had to be like, Monica, there's a sheer ridiculousness in that. And yet I still have to pause for a moment and say, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay for me to buy a sandwich, you know, it's right. okay for me to buy a drink because I, I deserve it, right? I, I've worked mm-hmm. hard enough to spend, you know, 30 bucks on a meal at the airport, but yet those are the voices in my head. And then there's positive ones too. I mean, my dad, when I was growing up, he always believed that you shouldn't uh, have a budget when it comes to your shoes, like things like gym shoes, because he believed mm-hmm. that really good shoes were important, you know, to support your feet. So mm-hmm. I was always the one the kid that had like nice new gym shoes when I was in school, which was really great. And now I feel the same way. Like I feel like, oh, I, you know, I should have a good pair of ju- of shoes so that mm-hmm. I can support my feet and I don't mind spending money on that. So, you know, what I'm speaking of are the tiny little things that you hear about how you should right. spend your money or what or how and you know and and why you should spend it. And it can go the other way around. So my mom also, when I was little, um, I read really quickly. And so mm-hmm. she wouldn't, 
um, and every month there would be a scholastic book fair at the school and right. you'd be able to go up to the library and buy all these books. And she, mm-hmm. and I remember my friend, Julie Hillman, she, her mom would let her buy lots of books and Julie mm-hmm. would come down with like 10 of the newest books and all of the series that we were reading. And my mom wouldn't let me buy that because mm-hmm. she thought it was a waste and that I should wait and get them from the library because I read them so quickly. And looking right. back on that, I think that makes perfectly common mm-hmm. sense, right? Um, but as a kid, I thought that was the meanest thing ever. Right. <laughs> um, and so what's funny as an adult is that I buy so many books. Like mm-hmm. I literally have like 16 boxes of books in storage. I've got bookshelves all over my apartment and my office with books in them. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me, I've subconsciously, I'm going the other direction, right? Like I'm going right. opposed to what, um, you know, what my mom said. And I love it. My books bring me lots of comfort. You know, I can literally can sit in front of my bookshelf and like just stare at them lovingly. They're my teachers. Mm-hmm. They're my guides. And I, I still read a lot. Um, I read a couple books a week, but I, now I feel like, well, I can buy anything I want to. And so mm-hmm. it's really interesting to think through as you're listening to your own experiences and what are you going with and what are you going right. against? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, Obviously, there's a big difference between being frugal and budgeting and being cheap. You know, and and that's what we tend to end up doing a lot of times with our business is we get cheap. You know, we think, well, we're going to buy the least expensive of whatever or try and do it ourselves because we want to save money. And, you know, and, and, and we, very well might be able to afford the more expensive, but we don't. Um, you know, I remember when I first started out my business and I launched it, oh, good heavens, it's been over 20 years ago now. And one of the business coaches that I talked to said that there were things that I needed to do for my business so that other people took me seriously. And it was things like, and you know, obviously this is 20 years ago, having a postage meter because having that postal indicia on there as opposed to putting a stamp on something, made it look more professional. Um, you know, having your own, having business cards that were professionally printed as opposed to, you know, printing them yourself, all of those various things. And of course, now, you know, times have changed where you can get a box of business cards for nine bucks. But, you know, it 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 is that perception too. You know, when we get to be too cheap, then other people don't want to do business with us because they're think they just have a bad image of us. It's true. And uh here's what's interesting is that I believe that every fear we have and every piece of resistance that we have is based in some sort of trauma or truth that we've been through or that our parents mm-hmm. have been through or that our ancestors have been through. So a lot of right. this is looking at underneath the surface. And so what I mean mm-hmm. for a lot of business owners um, is that they don't trust themselves in their making money decisions. So that they mm-hmm. end up or they, or they've learned, you know, from friends or from family that they can't trust themselves in making money decisions. So instead, mm-hmm. or, or that they're afraid that the money's going to run out. So instead of spending right. money on their businesses and doing the things that it's, they struggle, right? And so like what struggle looks like is, and I meet people in this place all the time is you're waking up in the morning. You're starting your work day around nine or 10 at night or 10 at nine or 10 in the morning. You're working all day, whenever all day is for you. Some of you are going to end at six. Some of you are going to end at three, right? Depending on your family mm-hmm. situation. And then you never get enough done. So you're, you know, mm-hmm. either you're logging back in at eight o'clock at night to try to do more or you're just mm-hmm. constantly worried all the time. And if you're in right. one of those categories, it means that you're doing one of two things. It means that you, or both, one is that you're not investing in support team, like a virtual mm-hmm. assistant or a regular assistant to start delegating some of these small tasks to um, and mm-hmm. because you're not investing in a support person, you're probably spending all of your time and energy doing small tasks like organizing email or charging credit cards or organizing your calendar. And then you're not spending enough time on doing revenue generating things like doing sales conversations. So it constantly feels like you're in this cycle of not being able to afford an assistant 
being enmeshed in small little tasks and then feeling Mm -hmm. like you can't ever afford to get an assistant. So that's, that's category. You're caught in that circle. Mm -hmm. And then category two is you have all of that in place. You've got maybe an assistant, you, you know, you don't necessarily feel like you're working crazy hours, but you're plateauing in terms of your income. And, mm-hmm. um, or you're hitting a ceiling in terms of your income. And if you're in that category, you're probably not spending the money on a mentor or a coach to help you move mm-hmm. to the next level. One of the, the things right. that I've really gotten clear on with my clients and even, and myself is that when you're building a business, the model that you build in year one through three is different than the model that you're going to build in year three through six and year six through nine. It's the equivalent of literally like getting on a treadmill, then getting off the treadmill, getting on the arc trainer and learning how to do the arc trainer, then getting off the mm-hmm. arc trainer and learning how to ride a bike. And I find that may, way too many entrepreneurs try to run faster on the treadmill instead of getting off the treadmill and getting on the arc trainer. And so they end mm-hmm. up really hitting ceilings. And so they're not making the money or they're trying to work harder and they're not getting where they need to be. And both of these categories are driven by a fear of spending money, right? A fear Mm -hmm. of spending money on assistant support team or a fear of spending money on a mentor coach. And I mean real money on a mentor coach. I don't mean just Mm -hmm. listening to free podcasts or, or free webinars. All of those things are fantastic. You're not Mm going to get the full system. Um, on on right. the zero to a hundred that you really need to learn unless you're investing in buying the full system from whomever you're listening to. And I, mm-hmm. I find that a lot of times what that relates to is understanding that when you're making a money decision, you've got to actually have a system for how you're going to get a return on that investment. And most of mm-hmm. us are not taught this. So the first thing right. that, and so you end up maybe in the past, or maybe you've watched your parents do this or um, your family or friends, they end up spending money and then sort of hoping and praying that they're going to get a return on it and like hoping mm-hmm. with luck that it's going to work. And that's when you start, you know, then 50% of the time it works, 50% of the time it doesn't work. And then you end up really not trusting yourself in that process anymore. So one of the mm-hmm. ways to do this is I call it the ACE method, A-C-E. And it stands for, mm-hmm. A stands for assess. And so what that means is before you're making an investment in your business for whatever it is, whether you're buying into a sponsorship, whether you're hiring a new coach, whether you're doing a video thing is ask questions. Is this, you know, is this right for me right now? Like if it's a program. Um, if it's a sponsorship, mm-hmm. is the target market right for me? If you're doing videos, is this a good time for me to do it? You know, does this work with the plan that I'm doing? Like ask as many questions mm-hmm. as you possibly can to assess the situation. And once you've determined, you know, and 50% of the time when you ask the questions, you may determine this isn't the right time or this isn't the right thing mm-hmm. for you. And that's great. of the time you're going to decide, okay, it is the right time. So then when you've you've assessed, you want to move into C, which is, uh, which is calculate what your return on investment needs to look like. So if you're spending $7,000 on something, then you need to generate $7,000 worth of business. And what does that look like? Is that two clients? Is that three clients? And also calculate how long you want to give yourself for that return on investment. So um, calculate mm-hmm. it and then give yourself a time frame. For most people, I would say, give yourself 12 to 24 months to get a return on that investment. Um, and understand okay. that sometimes it won't work. You know, I've gone to sponsorships, done my assessment, done my calculation, gotten to the sponsorship, and the person didn't get the, the number of people in the room that they wanted to get. So there I mm-hmm. am trying to, you know, get my return on investment and it's not happening. And so understand, mm-hmm. so when, when that happened, for example, the last time it happened, I still had my calculation in place. It's just that I needed to get those clients from another source. Because it didn't come right. from that sponsorship. So instead of coming home and being glum, which I was, maybe, and maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't say instead, I said I shortened my glum time. <laughs> and then, right, because you realized it wasn't your mistake. Right. And then I just said, okay, now you got to get on it, Monica, because you still got to get four clients to pay for this investment mm-hmm. that you did. And you, where are you going to get them from? And I did it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. E stands for execute. 
right? And execute mm-hmm. means, you know, whatever that means. If it means really working it at the sponsorship, if it means showing up and participating in all the classes, if it means using the materials and the systems that people are teaching you, it, re- it really means execute every single step and ask for help mm-hmm. when you need it so that you can so that you can get that return on your investment. And what I find mm-hmm. is that a lot of business owners, they do the investment piece, but they don't do any of these steps. They sort of invest right. and then they kind of throw money at the problem, hoping that somehow the problem will be solved. But really it requires all three steps, the assess, mm-hmm. the calculate, and the execute, 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 in order for you to really start to get a return on your investment. And if you do this consistently, you're going to start to trust your money decisions more and more. Um, and you're going to mm-hmm. find that investing in your business is not as scary as it once was. Right. You know, and, and it's an easy way to, to look at this and, and a very simplified way is there's a, a let's say your book, right. pause, you know, your, your book pause. I mentioned that there's, it's a workbook, you know, and, and so, you know, maybe, the, you know, you, you, you and I actually met right. at a conference and I saw that book and I thought, Hey, that's great. I didn't buy it then, but you know, I, right. I have it now. So, you know, I, I thought about it. I assessed it. You know, I thought, Hey, this is great. And then, you know, I, I do all the other steps. But then I get to execute and I'm like, oh, well, I'm busy or, you know, all those things. So, you know, a $20 investment, we get to execute and we think, oh, we're busy. You know, we don't have time to do it there or, you know, and sometimes it, it you know, might have just not been a good fit, but, you know, or it might be that you, you invested in a coach or, you know, a, a, a trainer, you know, for physical fitness, all these various things. But then it, the, it's the execute part. That is so difficult because that's where it really takes time. It really takes commitment, you know, and, and we're, you know, I, I laugh about this all the time. We're like squirrels, you know, we're like, Oh, on to the next thing, you know, ah, what's over there. And, you know, and all these things. And so that's what I love where you, you really emphasize the assess part because if you're taking the time and really, really delving deep into it, then you know that you have to do the other steps and you absolutely positively have to execute it. Or why even bother? You know, go go find something absolutely. else. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, you assess, you calculate, and then the execution is delayed. So for example, I mm-hmm, right. I invested uh three months ago in a um, in a company to help me build out a webinar and a funnel system. And I haven't executed mm-hmm. it yet. Like things that, you know, I got, um, I got a little behind. I got sick and then I had to travel. And so I said to them, mm-hmm. listen, I can't execute on this until July. Like that, it's going to end up being mm-hmm. a third quarter project when I really wanted it to be a second quarter project. And that's okay right. as long as we don't lose sight and then begin, you know, like often what happens is we let the, our, our judgment of ourselves get the best of us. And we're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't right. execute and I'm a terrible person or, or we mm-hmm. just get distracted and we ended up investing in something mm-hmm. else instead of remembering to sort of come back and execute on the thing that we bought already. So it's just about mm-hmm. understanding where's the execution going to fall? And if I consistently find myself investing but not executing, then maybe I need to sort of examine that and either and either stop right. investing so that I have time to execute or look at what's the underlying piece here. You know, what 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 mm-hmm. what behavior do I need to shift so that I can shift this pattern? Right. You know, and I think for a lot of people, it is, you know, we, we start with the good intentions. You know, this sounds great. We're going to do this. And then real life happens. And, and you're right. We don't go back to it. You know, if it was good enough for us to have initially thought, Hey, let's do this. It's probably still good down the road. You know, whether that's, you know, a month, a year, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, and, and so go back to it. Now, you might decide at that point, oh, well, hey, this isn't going to work, but just don't drop it. Um, but I think it, in so many cases, we skip ahead. You know, we, we go to the execute before we assess. So then when we start to execute, it's like, well, this doesn't make sense. Exactly. This isn't going to work, you know, or, or we, you know, and, and so we're not taking the time to do the three steps in order. You know, and, and it doesn't yeah. matter what it is, whether it's, it's personal or professional. You know, we, like I said, we do that all the time. You know, we, we think, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to go on a weight loss program. And, you know, the, the big thing now, I have several friends who are doing the keto, keto, keto diets. 
And, you know, and, and I think, yes. well, that sounds interesting. Not for me. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I like food and, you know, all these, all these various things, but, you know, they, and, and, but then I'll see that they, they either don't give it enough time or they don't do it correctly. And, you know, it's that way with all diets, um, and all exercise programs, all those various things. If you don't do them right, they're not going to work. And so then we go, wow, that was horrible. That was awful. Um, same thing with mastermind, with coaching, all of these various things. If you don't, do what you're supposed to do, it's probably not going to work. And it wasn't their fault. <laughs> it's true. And there's, mm-hmm. there's an order to this. So, you know, I think it's important right. to talk about that too, because um, part of, you know, what happened for me in my own business was that I, um, I got my MBA from the mm-hmm. College School of Management. And then I went and I worked at L'Oreal Paris and I was a brand manager there. I launched their skincare lines. And I really thought mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing. So I left out to start my own company and I just didn't fit into L'Oreal. It wasn't my mm-hmm. mission or my passion. And I, and I, and I had other, other ideas. And within 12 months of starting my own company, I was $25,000 mm-hmm. in debt. And the debt wasn't you know, the debt was scary, but it, the debt itself wasn't the scary part. The The part that was scary was I didn't know mm-hmm. how to pay off the debt. Like I wasn't making right. a dent mm-hmm. in the debt. And so I did everything I could to make money. I walked dogs. I cat-sitted. I sold mm-hmm. stuff on eBay. And I rented my apartment out on Airbnb back when it was started mm-hmm. and it All was right. legal. <laughs> and then um, I there was a particular week where I had rented my apartment out for – um, three days, you know, I, I had slept on someone's couch for three days and then somebody else's couch for three days and then somebody else's couch for two days. And I got all my stuff together and I, and I was getting, going back home. I got on the subway to go back home and I got off the subway and I had two bags on one arm and a, two bags on another arm and a bag across my chest and a roller bag that I was carrying up the subway stairs. And all the New Yorkers are running by me and they're knocking my bags off and they're knocking the roller bag off and, Finally get to the top of the stairs and mm-hmm. I pause and I look because I want to get on the escalator and the escalator's closed and I look to the right and I want to get on the elevator and the elevator is broken for that day. Oh. And mm-hmm. I look in front of me and there's four more flights of stairs to get to street level. And you've got all of your belongings with you. Yeah. I'm like totally weighed down with bags and mm-hmm. I start to feel the tears come on because I'm so tired, not just of carrying the bags, right, but of carrying the psychic weight of this business around, this business Mm -hmm. that, you know, I've been working 80 plus hours a week just so I didn't have to work 40 hours for somebody else. Right. Um, And I finally got to the point where I put my bags down and I sat down on the New York subway floor. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you've hit rock bottom. <laughs> right. right. When you just collapsed on the subway on the floor. On the subway floor. Like people mm-hmm. are walking by me and I'm this like, you know, mess of like bags and tears and they're trying not to make eye contact. Because <laughs> right. yeah. they're thinking you're a homeless person, yeah. right? <laughs> and, I, um, and I'm there and I finally, I got really clear that I had to figure out how it's going to generate money. How it's going to mm-hmm. start to really be able to make a dent. And I gave myself a year to do it. And if I didn't, didn't figure out in a year, I was going to go back and get a job. Mm-hmm. And what I got clear on was that I was doing everything in the wrong order. I was doing everything backwards. And mm-hmm. I was working twice as hard as I needed to be and making half as much money as I could. And and the reason I was doing everything backwards is I was doing what almost every entrepreneur I meet now is doing, which is that I was sort of following random things to decide what I was going to do next. Like if I write a newsletter and they said, do podcasts, I would do podcasts. And if somebody was doing a launch and they said, videos is the answer, then I would do videos. And somebody Mm -hmm. said, oh, write a book. And so I wrote four chapters of a book. And it's none of those things are bad in and of themselves. They're not. Mm -hmm. They're great marketing tactics. It's just that there is a time and a place for each of those marketing tactics. So for example, when I was writing my four chapters of my book, I wasn't able to pay rent. I was having trouble paying the grocery bills. And so mm-hmm. I was like hoping somehow and praying that I could sit in my little apartment and write chapters of my book when I really should have been out there doing sales conversations. Wrong mm-hmm. time. I have two books now that are absolutely amazing and I love books, but I didn't write those books in a time 
when I should have been doing sales conversation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I also started a continuity program where people would pay $97 a month. And I spent a couple thousand dollars in months of my life creating this sort of membership site and the programs in there. And then four people joined. And within a month, three of them had decided to drop out. And mm-hmm. again, it was because I had 250 people on my list. Fantastic mm-hmm. idea, but not a great time to do it. I recommend mm-hmm. that if you're going to start a program like that, you need um, in the ballpark somewhere five to 10,000 people um, mm-hmm. on your list to be able to make that really work for you and have a real income from it. And mm-hmm. And so again and again... I see people doing this where they're just sort of pulling different marketing tactics from different places in order to, in hoping that somehow this is going to turn their business around. But there's really a method for this. There's a method for making money. There are steps that make sense that you have to do in your business. And if you, and once I figured out those steps, I was able to pay off the $25,000 in debt. I put $12,000 in the bank that year and and I doubled or tripled my revenue every year. And, you know, in 2013, we crossed seven figures as a coaching company and we've been um, increasing our income ever since at that level. And mm-hmm. what I'm really the most proud of is that now my business is helping other entrepreneurs who are struggling with this money piece, you know, of what right. they should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. And in my tribe, what I love the most is that I know... That if we put enough hands of money in the right, um, in the hands of the right people, that this world is going to look like a different place and the world really Mm -hmm. needs it right now. And what I love seeing is, um, watching the women and, and the, and then, and a few of the, and a few amazing men too, um, be, be really shifting their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. in a huge way, um, when they figure out the money piece. And, and, you know, one of the first steps of this money piece is that we have to shift our relationship with money. You know, the, Mm -hmm. what we talked about a bit at the, at the beginning is looking at what are, what are the voices in your head? What are they saying? Mm -hmm. And, and how are you responding to them in the behaviors in your business? And then Mm -hmm. the second step is the order of the activities that you're doing things in. So it comes full circle to sort of where I started the story, which is the very thing that we should be focusing on are revenue generating activities every single day. Mm-hmm. So before right. noon, every single day, um, I recommend that everybody's doing three revenue generating activities every day. Now, the number mm-hmm. one revenue generating activity is a sales conversation. It is asking mm-hmm. for money. In fact, the only way to increase money into your bank account is to ask for it. And, right. uh, and there's two real ways to ask for money. One is one-on-one, you know, in an individual conversation, either in, over the phone or in person. And the second mm-hmm. is one-to-many, right? So standing in front of a room or standing in, or doing a webinar where you're asking people to purchase things. And mm-hmm. if you get to a Friday in your business and you haven't asked for money all week, for all intents and purposes, your business was closed that week. Mm-hmm. And I meet entrepreneur right. after entrepreneur who I say, well, how many times did you ask for money? And they say once or twice this month. And then it's, and then there's a, and then they wonder why they're struggling so much with the money piece. Mm-hmm. So everything that we are doing in business, every reg, everything that is a revenue generating activity is an activity that connects to, that leads to a sales conversation. So mm-hmm. the top three are speaking sponsorships Mm -hmm. and webinars, right? Those are what I call mega asks where you're putting Mm -hmm. yourself in front of a big group of people and then Mm -hmm. asking them to have a sales conversation with you. And we want to make sure that we're doing that often enough that on average, you're having at least three sales conversations a week in your business. Now that's going to shift depending on your business model. And I know there's lots Mm -hmm. of different business models out there listening to this, but you know, understand that that's an average for most people that are in business these days. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it's not just, or maybe not at all, doing your 30-second spiel at a networking event or a social media post saying, hey, we've got this great product this week. Because those don't really connect with people. You know, how many times do we even pay attention to those when somebody else does them? These are true connections with people where people are actually paying attention to you. Absolutely. It's a conversation. Just last night mm-hmm. I did a webinar and it was so interesting because uh, the woman, there's three words in, in, um, in entrepreneurship that I feel like are some of our biggest enemies. And those three words are, I'm doing everything. 
I'm doing mm-hmm. everything and it's not right. And we it. think we have to, yeah. right? Well, I, we think we are actually, mm-hmm. you know, 90% mm-hmm. of the time when I talk to people and they say I'm doing everything, they're not, right? That is your ego mm-hmm. trying to make you feel really comfortable and feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm trying everything I could be trying and it's not working. And it's a mm-hmm. great way to go into what I call the feudal place, which is no matter what I try, everything's futile, right? It's just not right. going to work. Fantastic mm-hmm. way to take yourself out of the game. So I mm-hmm. called on a woman and she said, Monica, you know, I went to your big three-day event five years ago and I learned so much from you and I've been doing everything you've been saying and I haven't been making money. And I said, okay, great. So first I want you to know that as long as you keep telling yourself that you're doing everything and it's not working, you're going to live in a land of disappointment. Right. So, because it's not going to work. It, well, and because you're not living the truth because right. no one's doing everything. I'm not doing mm-hmm. everything I could be doing. My mentor is not doing everything she could be doing. No one's doing everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and right. so the there's it, when you cut off, when you start to to open up to, there's so much more I could be doing. You're opening mm-hmm. up to the infinite amount of learning and possibility and opportunity that is out there for you. And you will start mm-hmm. to attract more answers, more learning, more space, and more opportunity. And mm-hmm. then... When I got into it with her, I said, well, tell me what you are doing. She said, well, I'm doing sales conversations. And I said, well, great. How are those being done? And she said, well, I'm doing, people are emailing me and I'm emailing them back and forth. (laughs) And you said, that's not a conversation. Exactly, right? I said, how's that going for you? She's like, not very well. And I'm like, well, what do you think is the problem? She paused and she's like, we're not talking. And I said, yeah, Mm -hmm. right. You're, you're, you're trying to somehow make this more comfortable for you because it would be a lot mm-hmm. more comfortable if we didn't have to get on the phone and ask you for people for money. If I could just right. email you and say, Hey, buy my stuff. And you said, you emailed me back and said, here's my credit card. Sure. You know, I mean like that wouldn't that be great. Yes, that would be fantastic. And frankly, mm-hmm. if that were possible, we'd all be millionaires. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, right. the truth is that it's not. People need the know, like, and trust. They need to build a relationship with you. I mean, even in mm-hmm. our own tribe, 80% of the people that buy from us at Revenue Breakthrough are not new people to me. 80% mm-hmm. of the people that buy are people that have been in my tribe for a while, have been following mm-hmm. me for a number of years. Maybe they know clients that have worked with me. Maybe they've been on, you know, a webinar and come to an event and maybe They've read a newsletter and maybe they've been on another webinar. And then finally Mm -hmm. they get to a place where they're ready. They're ready to purchase. They're ready to trust me. They're ready to dive in. And I honor that process. But that process Mm -hmm. often includes a conversation where they can talk to me when they're ready Mm -hmm. to talk to me. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's what a sales conversation is about, is really building that relationship. And it's funny because when we're on the other end of that and someone doesn't ask for money, it's weird. You know, and, and we have those, right? Where we're talking to somebody and, you know, whether it's, you know, an actual true face to face or it could be email, could be social media, could be whatever, but they don't get to the point where they are saying, here's how I can help you. You know, here, and, and, you know, they, they, they never reach that point because again, it comes back to the taboo. The, you know, we can't talk about money. And it's like, you know, we expect that they're going to, to give us the sales pitch. They expect that we're going to ask for it and nobody does it. You know, and, and so then we just kind of peter off and we wander off on, you know, we never have that conversation again. But, but right, we've had those conversations where I'm, you know, say you and I were talking and you just, you never actually would, you know, it, this is obviously fictitious, but you know, what if you and I were talking and you never said, here is how I can help. Here are the programs and services that I have. And you did that ask part. Yeah. It's interesting how many times. I meet business owners who are passing up opportunities to do the asking all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, for example, I just talked to a client. She was sitting at her chiropractor's office and she was getting her treatment and we had just worked on a new verbal message for her. So mm-hmm. she tried her new verbal message with her chiropractor and her chiropractor was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I need exactly that. Right. And, and it then, had never occurred to her to ask, right? Right. And then in that moment, she actually didn't ask. She became afraid, right? She was like, oh... And then she didn't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. I said to her, that is an opening, right? For you to say, 
great. You know, would you like to talk more about, you know, how I can help you? Mm -hmm. And the only, I mean, the worst case scenario is she says, no, not right now. Right. right? And then, and then y'all move on. No, no harm, no, no malicious intent involved. Mm -hmm. And she thought that's so interesting because she hadn't been doing that. I have another client who um, is a an, an amazing shape. She's got a, an amazing body. And she's a health coach. And mm-hmm. so she was working out at the gym and she heard what I said, she, you know, about the sort of opportunities everywhere. And uh, she had people come up to her for years and say, you know, how did you get your arms? Or what are you doing for your legs? And she'd always sort of told them and then turned around and continued her workout. Right. Suddenly she started saying, well, you know, this is, you know, this is how, what I do for my arms and, you know, I'm a health coach. So I, I can also, help you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also eat really well. And, you know, there's a lot more to this than just mm-hmm. what I'm doing for my arms at the gym. She got three clients in one week. Right. You know, and, and we expect to be asked for money. I mean, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, we're, that's, that's why we're out there. And, and so it's, it, so it is, it's a weird disconnect that, we don't then ourselves ask for money. I mean, it is, and, and it, it comes back to what we were saying. It's taboo or we assume. I always like the people who tell me, well, I assume that they know that I sell this or that I, you know, they can go to the website for pricing or whatever. And I'm like, you know what they say about assuming. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I, I mean, the, the, the thing that we have to remember, and I think this is so important if you've not heard this before is understand that when somebody is at a point of purchasing something, anything, they Mm -hmm. become emotional. Right. And and that is a good thing because we Mm -hmm. buy from emotion. But as Mm -hmm. soon as our emotions come on, then our logic turns off. So we Mm -hmm. literally forget things like, how, how, where do I buy this or how do Mm -hmm. I buy it or how do I register? What do I do next? And so unless you're, really helping someone by asking them for the money and then walking them through a process of taking their credit card, you know, Mm -hmm. and telling them what is next and sending them the product or setting up their first appointment. Unless you're doing that um, systematically, chances are you're leaving people in an emotional state where they wanted to buy from you, but they did, they read, they really didn't know how. And, right. and so they didn't have the wherewithal to ask the questions of, I want this. Tell me what mm-hmm. to do next. Mm-hmm. And, and notice that even for yourselves, even for small things, like the next time you go into a clothing store and you buy something that's a little pricey, let's say you're mm-hmm. buying a dress that's over $100 or a great pair mm-hmm. of shoes, you get emotional and you kind of forget, right. like, where's your credit card and what do I do next? And mm-hmm. and that's why like you go to the cash register and then the person really walks you through how to purchase that item. We need to be doing that for our potential clients as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, it's, it is one of those things that is difficult for us. You know, obviously that's, that's what we've been talking about, but it's those who are good at it. And we all know people who are really good at it, do it in a way that is comfortable and not salesmany. And, you know, and, and I think that might be the fear that we all have as we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to become the person that people think, oh, it's, it, you know, she's like the used car salesman. She's always pitching me on this stuff. So clearly there's a way to do it where you're not coming across as the person they run from before you ever even got near. It's true. And part of the reason why people come off as a, as a sort of salesman like, there's two real categories. The category number one is that oftentimes when you're, when you're taught how to sell, you use somebody else's script. Right. And so you're reading their script and your mind and your energy is in a space of, am I doing it right? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of connecting with the person on the other end of the phone. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong with using a script, especially when you're learning how to sell, but there also has to be a place where you're using open-ended questions and you're really right. listening and you're connecting energetically with the person on the other end so that you're, you're, you're able to follow your own intuition. Mm-hmm. So when some, so when that little voice in your own head says, dig a little deeper on that, you can mm-hmm. hear it and you can dig a little deeper on that. Or when the voice in your head says, you know, right now, she doesn't need to be pushed harder. She just right. needs her time. And mm-hmm. you can listen to that and honor that. So mm-hmm. that's piece number one. And then piece number two is 
I, I recommend and I teach in my programs a whole sort of ritual to do before your sales conversations. And that ritual is about letting go of your own fear and desperation and your mm-hmm. own awkwardness and your own insecurities, even if it's just for that next 30 minutes. So it's really looking at, um, you know, how much like where, where I find ha- what I find happens when people get salesy is that they feel pressure. Like I have mm-hmm. to sign this client because right. if I don't, then I'm not going to hit my numbers. Or they and we reek of that desperation. Yeah, or they feel like they have to do it right, and if I don't do it right, then I've done something wrong. Or this person has to say yes, and if they don't say yes, then it then it means something about me as a salesperson. I'm a mm-hmm. bad human being, and what I those are all perfectly normal human emotions, and I recommend that we just get real clear about feeling them before mm-hmm. the call and then letting them go, letting go of the pressure to make a number, letting go of the desperation to make money. And instead really taking a moment to connect with empathy. And I call it a heart to heart connection. I, I ask people to really visualize this, to open your heart and then visualize that other person on the phone with you, unless they're not, you know, if they're not in front of you and then make and visualize their heart. And then visualize an energy from your heart to their heart, then their mm-hmm. heart to your heart, going back and forth and back and forth, seeing them as a human being that you're supporting and inspiring and validating and resonating with, and really mm-hmm. seeing that, and then picking up the phone and starting your conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you are going to really be able to feel that person throughout the call if you start from that place. Right. And, and then that icky feeling goes away. Yeah, the 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 icky feeling comes from fear and pressure on your end, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so once you start, you know, it, it'll go away. Now, I can't guarantee it's not going to come back, right, during the middle of the phone call, especially mm-hmm. if you're in a difficult place with somebody. You're like, listen, you know, it, it can be really frustrating when somebody really needs you and you know they need you and you know they're a perfect client and they're in a place of no or they're in a mm-hmm. place of resistance. And right. so it's important to... Um, you know, constantly, like I recommend sometimes that people get like a reminder stone that they carry during their conversation so that they can hold on to it as a reminder to keep the peace during mm-hmm. the call, especially if you're just starting this or a reminder statue or a reminder something that you're looking at when you're mm-hmm. having these conversations to remind you that all is well no matter what and that right. this isn't about you. This isn't a testament of who you are. It is a testament of the energy that is flowing between you and that you do not have control over what is the outcome of this conversation. You mm-hmm. only have control over how are you prepared, how are you delivering it, how do you appear during it, how is your listening? How is your receiving? How is your asking? And mm-hmm. then closing it. And the decision that is made, that is a concern. It is not a control. And we right. really want to focus our energy and attention in our businesses on what we can control, not what our concerns are. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've all had those people who who wanted that control, you know, we've been dealing with them and, you know, they have, you know, in essence, and I've had this happen, you know, where, you know, I've said no or not right now or, you know, whatever. And they have in essence said, you're stupid. You know, well, you absolutely should be buying this. Well, then there's no way I'm going to buy it. Um, You know, even if I know I really absolutely need it because they wanted that control. They wanted to to make sure that the outcome was what they wanted and they lost track of what was the outcome that I wanted. Absolutely. And you know, it's we've all been in that situation. I remember I I was doing a sales conversation with a salesperson for a very famous person in my industry. And this mm-hmm. salesperson was so off with me. I mean, like literally talked about things that I was uninterested in, was very like brag worthy about, um, and, and just almost wanted me to buy on the basis of the fame of this other person he was selling. Right. And I was so mm-hmm. turned off by it. And I, um, and I thought, gosh, right. Like that, I, you know, that is enough to have somebody not ever, you know, like not ever want to do sales, you know, going through a, mm-hmm. a circumstance like that. And, um, mm-hmm. and really what it comes down to is, uh, when, when I'm feeling heard, and seen, even if I say no, 
I will never forget that connection in a sales conversation. Right. right. And that's the gift that we give others. It's not something that mm-hmm. we're doing to people. It's a gift that we're giving to people mm-hmm. um, when we're selling to them. If we have the ability to let go of our own fears and really see and hear mm-hmm. the person on the other side of the phone. Right. Because in many cases... It, it, it's more not now as opposed to no. I mean, sure, there are times where it is definitely no. And then, you know, you go on from that. But, but we have to remember it, it very well could be it's, it's good, but just not now. And so if we have alienated them, it really goes to no as opposed to not now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, Exactly. And what I have found, it's hard to have patience. It truly is. But well, and especially when we know what we've got will just be the best thing for them. Absolutely. Or when we're feeling really worried and in, in, in unsure of ourselves. Like, you know, mm-hmm. often when you're how am I going to pay that bill? Right? And, you know, sometimes at the beginning of your business, it's like, you know, I just want a client, any client, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to sale, mm-hmm. just, just buy right. for me so that I can go to bed at night and know that somebody, somebody's buying my stuff and that I can somebody actually loves do this. Me. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, but you know, as somebody who's been on the other side, right. I've been, um, it, you know, I've been in business since 2005. I've been in this company since 2010, you know, it's been a, a number of years. I can tell you that, I have people entering my programs now who have been following me for five years. People entering mm-hmm. my programs now who talked to me three or four years ago. Right. And, um, and it is not, you know, so it does happen, right? And they, right. they say to me, I remember the very first conversation you and I had. I remember mm-hmm. how much you cared. I remember how mm-hmm. much you gave. And I wasn't able to jump in then, but I'm able to jump in now. Right. Now I don't, mm-hmm. So I, I have to give a caveat in saying that because sometimes when I say that, my beginning business owners don't ever make the ask in a conversation right. because they're so Yeah, you worried. still have to have that ask in yeah, there. Mm-hmm. You have to ask the ask and you have to hear the no, right? So I mm-hmm. want everyone to hear that. You have to, you know, you have not actually had a real sales conversation unless you have given the price for your product or your service and you have mm-hmm. heard that person say yes or no. Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of times people get real confused and they confuse sales conversations with connection conversations. Connection right. conversations are when you're connecting to people and you don't bring up the price or your program. Mm-hmm. You're just connecting for whatever reason. Right. You might be talking about what was on TV last right. night. Um, or getting to know each other on, on your businesses, but you're not really, you know, you don't know if that person's a client. You're not really in the process of selling. Uh, mm-hmm. A sales conversation is where you really do talk about your pro- your products or your services, and then you talk about the prices, and then you ask that person if you can get them registered or if they're ready to enroll or if they would mm-hmm. like to purchase. And then you pause and you hear a yes or a no as a response. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, you know, I wanted to talk about one of the things that was in your book, a pause, speaking of pause, <laughs> you know, that, that really resounded with me. And it was this surrounding yourself with people who are the same kind of mindset. And, you know, we've all heard the saying that we are kind of the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. And that's so important when we're an entrepreneur, you know, especially if you're just starting out. If you're not now, you know, we're not talking friends, you know, and things like that, because we need those friends, we need all of those things. But if we're not associating ourselves from a business perspective with other people who are kind of in the same position as we are, it gets difficult, you know, and, and the, the example you mentioned in your book is that, you know, maybe you're, you're going out for lunch with friends and they're all very successful and you're pinching every penny and it makes you very uncomfortable. So then you get caught up in the whole, oh my gosh, what am I going to do when the bill comes type of thing? And so it, it is about, you know, for business things, you know, and, and at the appropriate time, surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, yeah. And sometimes that means getting rid of people, you know, and, and, um, but I, I love that concept in your book. So talk a little bit more about that. Well, it's interesting because I have met a lot of business owners who, um, there's two sort of, two areas of surrounding yourself with people. The one is surrounding yourself with friends and family and mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with friends and family can be tricky 
Because if you are the only entrepreneur or if you're the only new entrepreneur in your right. and family, it can feel as though their love and their support for you is conditional. And it's mm-hmm. conditional on are you successful? Right. And, and, or when are you going back into corporate America, silly you? Yeah, exactly. Or, or, you know, what is their definition of success, which is something mm-hmm. like corporate America? And, um, I, you know, the way that you can have empathy and the way that you can sort of com- have compassion for them is to understand that the way that they are looking at you, the way they are speaking to you is through their lens of fear. And it's mm-hmm. a lens of fear that is protection for you, right? Like they're, they're right. trying to be protected. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to be disappointed and hurt and go broke. Or make the wrong decisions. And mm-hmm. uh, so they're trying to keep you safe. And in keeping mm-hmm. you safe, it feels very much like they're not cheerleading you in the way that you would like mm-hmm. to have be cheerleaded. And so what I my response to that is to understand that in the beginning, especially, you're not, you probably don't want to try to get your cheerleading and your unconditional support from friends and family. Like it's just not going to mm-hmm. happen. Expecting right. them to uh, support you in the way that you need is going to be way too big of a leap for them. Uh, mm-hmm. So instead, you need to surround yourself by other entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. then, Here's my second point, because again, people, I've met people who are surrounding themselves by other entrepreneurs. Maybe they're starting their own mastermind groups or they're, they're, you know, doing clubs, but the other entrepreneurs that they're surrounding themselves with are complaining all the time, or they're not doing very well in their businesses, or they are being negative. And so this person is like, well, you know, I'm, I'm plateauing because you're surrounding yourself with other people that are plateauing. And I have found that for me, one of my secrets of success has been that I pay money every year um, to join masterminds of entrepreneurs that are playing bigger games than I am. Literally. Mm -hmm. um, And, and the reason I pay money to join groups like that is because that's where they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like that's where right. I found them is, is mm-hmm. in those sorts of groups. And it has been mm-hmm. over and over again, such a powerful component of my success. You know, the last right. time I went to a mastermind with my mentor, I went with 10 problems that I wrote down on a piece of paper. And by the end of day two, all of those problems had been solved by people in the group. Literally them saying, well, go to this person. We'll do this. Well, when that happened to me, I did this. And I mm-hmm. walked out of there with enough information that um, I literally like had the rest of the year figured out just from wow. talking to these people. I mean, I went in not knowing who my event planner was going to be because the event planner I'd worked on my previous event hadn't worked out. Walked out with the suggestion mm-hmm. of a great event planner. We just finished that event in May. Fantastic. Best event planner I've ever worked with. Got to hire her mm-hmm. for next year. Walked in with a problem on sales. How do I get a salesperson on my team? Walked out with a complete solution for doing that. Walked in mm-hmm. with questions about how do I do interviews and hiring. Walked out with a book to read and a process that I created and just hired a new full-time person for me. She's the best hire I've ever hired, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is the sort of stuff where if you are isolated, you sit with those problems alone and you will not be able to solve them. God works through right. people. The universe works right. through people. Magic works through people. And it is only by putting yourself in rooms of people that are solving those problems, that are playing at a higher level than you are, that you're going to find the answers for yourself. Right. And of course, that is very hard for the entrepreneur, the small business owner who might be working from their basement, their spare bedroom, you know, all those various places. But it is about getting out there, you know, and, and sometimes it, it might be that it's online. Uh, you know, if that's the if that's your only option, that's great. Um, but yeah, it, it is about getting out there and getting out there with the right ones, you know, going to say Kiwanis, fabulous organization, but might not be your best business exactly. networking, you know, and, and so think about that as to where you need to be. Absolutely. Great. Well, Monica, holy schmoly, we are at the top of the hour and I, I still have questions. Um, and, you know, so obviously that just means that, that we have to have you on again. One of the things that we didn't get to talk about, and I really want to encourage people to go to your website, which is revenuebreakthrough.com. You have this great money making marketing calendar. 
And I have it open right in front of me because I was going to talk about it. Um, but see, that's just a teaser for next time. So people just need to go and look. But and tell the, people the URL actually to get that money making marketing calendar is revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar. So, perfect. Yeah, perfect. I perfect. just want to make sure people know where to get it. Mm-hmm. And really right. what it is, is it's a list of revenue generating activities. So we talked about and, that. And it's things that we need to be doing, things that we should be doing. But what the calendar does is help you focus. And, you know, it was, it was you know, like Monica said earlier in the program, sometimes we think, oh, we need to be doing this because it's the flavor of the month. Um, and, you know, if that's if it's not the right time, the right thing, the right place, then don't spend time doing it. Absolutely. And, you know, that's why you need the calendar is because I really clarify what to do, when Mm -hmm. to do it, how often to do it. Um, And you just get it again at revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Monica, tell people how they find you and connect with you online. Um, The best way to connect with me is to first go get that marketing calendar for yourself. And then Mm -hmm. if you have any questions for us or want to work with us or learn more about us, you can email us at support at revenuebreakthrough.com or give us a call at 1-800-208-0913. Perfect. And again, your books are Getting Rich, You're Doing It Backwards, and Pause, 52 Questions That Lead to More Money and Time. Yes, and those books are on the website as well, revenuebreakthrough.com. Perfect, perfect. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fabulous time talking with Monica Shaw. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.